Even as we're known, Mark chapter 9, if you're a guest here with us, Refuge Church, amen. Aren't we glad to have all of our guests here today? Thank you so much for coming with us today to worship the Lord. God bless you. And it is our sincere hope and desire that we could get to know you a little bit more after service. So uh, we like to fellowship. So feel free to stick around, meet a few people, let us meet you. And uh, we would love that very much. Mark chapter 9, verse 14, the Bible says, And when Jesus came to his disciples, he saw a multitude about them. That's, that's a big group of people, a multitude. He saw many people around his disciples. And among the multitude was who? The scribes that were questioning them. And straightway all the people, when they beheld Jesus, they were greatly amazed and running to him, saluted him. And he asked the scribes, what question ye with them? And one of the multitude answered and said, Master, I have brought unto thee my son, which has a dumb spirit. And wheresoever he takes him, wherever he takes my, my son, he tears him. And my son foams, he froths at the mouth, and he gnasheth with his teeth, his teeth grind, and he pines away or withers away. I spake to your disciples that they should cast the devil out, the dumb spirit out. But your disciples, they couldn't do it. And he answers him and says, O faithless generation, how long shall I be with you? How long shall I suffer you? Bring him to me. And they brought him unto him, and when he saw him, straightway the spirit tear him, and he fell on the ground and wallowed foaming. And he asked his father, How long is it ago since this came unto him? And he said, since a, he was a child, he said, Oftentimes the spirit casts him into the fire, and other times he casts him into the waters and destroys him. He says to the Lord, he says, if you can do anything, would you at least have compassion on us and help us? Jesus said unto him, if you can believe, all things are possible to him that believes. All things are possible to him that believes. The story is not finished. The Bible says straightway the father of the child, he cried out. And he said with tears, Lord, I, I believe, but help thou my unbelief. When Jesus saw that the people came running together, so this is going on. But not everyone was there. But now the crowd began to come 
And as Jesus saw the crowd coming, he rebuked the foul spirit, saying unto him, Thou dumb and deaf spirit, I charge you, come out of him, enter no more into him. And the spirit cried, tore him or rent him sore, and came out of the child. And he was as one dead, insomuch that many said, he's dead. But Jesus took him by the hand, lifted him up, and he arose. And when he was come into the house, his disciples asked him privately, why could we not cast him out? Then said he unto them, this kind can come forth by nothing but by prayer and fasting. Everyone say amen to the word. Amen. How many believes that that is a record of something that actually occurred in history? That's not a fictional story. It's not out of a comic book. That's something that actually happened. And it demonstrates that Jesus has authority, amen, even over unclean spirits. Lay your Bibles and devices down. Lift your hands up towards heaven. Let's ask the Lord to speak to us today. Father, we love you. We thank you so much for what you've done. Thank you for what has already taken place here today, for the moving of your spirit. Thank you, Lord, for the people that have gathered. Thank you for, Lord, the offerings and tithes that have been received. Thank you, Lord. But, Lord, we want the word. We want the the bread of heaven to be served in this place. For us, Lord, to feast. For we hunger, Lord, we hunger for righteousness. We hunger for the word of God. Help me to speak as your spirit leads me. Help us to receive with meekness and humility the word that is able to save our souls. We love you, Lord. We need you even now. Speak to us. Somebody say, in Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. Amen. Just talking about dealing with dumb spirits. Dealing with dumb spirits. Amen. Shake hands with a neighbor nearby you. Amen. Maybe you could say something like this. Don't you hate dealing with some dumb spirits? Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Praise God. Hallelujah. Amen. 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 I heard just a little bit of laughter when I read and then even when I gave my title about dumb spirits. And, uh, you know, it might be humorous on the surface, but when you're in the situation, it's not funny at all. It's not funny at all. I don't mean, I'm not, I'm not condemning anyone for giggling, laughing. It is, it is a bit humorous to me sometimes. Uh, the Word of God, you know, how it reads, and even how Jesus, you know, how the Word of God says that he has a dumb spirit. Uh, this story that we read here is actually recorded uh, in Matthew, Mark, and Luke. It's, it's not mentioned in John. It uh, doesn't mean that John's not accurate. It just, they recorded different things, and they had different primary purposes of, of each of those Gospels. Matthew, Mark, and Luke, uh, to scholars or students of Scripture, they re- regard these as synoptic, the synoptic Gospels. Synoptic is just a fancy word to say they're similar. They're very, very similar in how they are read, how they're written, very similar. And 
in all three of the accounts, Matthew, Mark, and Luke, that record this miracle, it is a miracle, a miracle of deliverance, in all three records of it, before the miracle occurs, the Bible also records this in all three of the Gospels. It records a time when Jesus took Peter, James, and John, and, and that would be considered like the inner circle. He, we, we know that Jesus had many disciples. In fact, in 1 Corinthians, it tells us that he showed himself alive to a group of people that numbered greater than or about 500 people. Uh, in fact, well, we know uh, just by the miracle of the feeding of the 5,000, the feeding of the 3,000, that there were, there were multitudes, there were many people that would follow Jesus, that would go and listen to his teaching or, or at least just go and watch the show. Uh, but then among that, there was the 70. There was 70 disciples that Jesus had that he sent out and he gave power over diseases and devils and told to go and preach and to deliver and to heal. Then among the 70, we find that there's 12, 12 disciples of whom one of them would betray him. His name was Judas, Judas Iscariot. There was two Judases among the 12, but Judas Iscariot would be the one who betrays Jesus. But even within the 12, there was yet still another group, Peter, James, and John, that Jesus would oftentimes take aside or pull a little closer or, or, or be a little closer to than the others. Um, in fact, one example is right before Jesus was betrayed, we know that he had that last supper with his disciples, and then they retired to a garden where Jesus would go and pray earnestly, and he would leave his disciples, but then take Peter, James, and John a little further, and then from Peter, James, and John go a little further than that, and, and he would pray. Um, so, so we see this happening oftentimes in the Gospels, and, and right before this miracle is one of those times where Jesus took Peter, James, and John up onto a high place, a mountain. And there on that mountain... Right before Peter, James, and John's eyes, Jesus changed. It's, it's uh, what most of your commentaries or even in the margins would say, it was his transfiguration. His figure was transformed before their eyes. His face became so bright that one writer said it, it was like the sun. It was so bright. His garments changed. Everything about him changed before their very eyes. And there were two witnesses there on either side of him, Moses and Elijah. And Peter, he just couldn't help himself. He, he had to speak. You ever know those kind of people? It's like if there's a quiet moment, it's like they just can't help themselves. They just got to say something. And Peter, he's, he's that guy, which I would say, you know what, you guys must be in good company. If you're one of those people, don't, don't condemn yourself. Peter was one of those guys, and he was given the keys of the kingdom. And uh, Peter said, my goodness, this is so great. Let's build three tents, and we're just going to stay here and just bask in this experience. 
Then we find that there was a cloud and a voice from heaven. This is my son in whom I'm well pleased. And when the cloud lifted, all they saw was Jesus. All they saw was Jesus. What an incredible moment where they were able to see Jesus in this moment as as more than just a man, more than just mere mortal, more than a prophet, more than a teacher, more than a rabbi. They saw him transfigured, transformed before their eyes into this glorious appearance. Now this is what's going on up on the mountain. Down below in the valley, there was a storm a-brewing. A man had come to the disciples of Jesus. No doubt, I would like to think that they were, the man was looking for Jesus. And he settled for his disciples. And when he let his disciples know the reason he came was because his son, who had been in a condition now for a long time, battling with this inner war inside of him that would cause him to to froth at the mouth, to, to gnash and grind his teeth. I don't know about you, but if you fall asleep before someone else falls asleep and they grind their teeth, that's on the top 10 worst things in the world. But this boy, he would grind his teeth. He would froth at the mouth. He would pine away, meaning he would, he would wither. In fact, one, one place, it, you know, Jesus healed a man who had a withered hand, meaning that it shriveled up, it pined away. And that was essentially the description that this father was giving about his son, that he was withering away. He was wasting away, no longer standing straight and upright in strength. One of the other writers said that the, the father said that he, my son is a lunatic, crazy, out of his mind. So he's out of his mind. He was withering away, frothing at the mouth, gnashing on his teeth. But another description was this, that, uh, that there would be oftentimes that the boy would be thrown into a fire. Or he would be thrown into the water. Now, if you would, uh, put yourself in this context, in that story, in that day. In that day, water and fire, really just as this day, it just looks a little different. But in that day, water and fire were two things really necessary for life. To have water, necessary for life. To have fire for warmth, for cooking, necessary for life. To have light, necessary for life. But when his son would throw himself into these things which are necessary for life, they would be destructive. And if I could take this short commercial break and just say this, the same is true of us spiritually today. There are certain things that you and I have to handle because they are necessary for life. But once we throw ourselves into those things, what, be, what was necessary now becomes destructive and deadly. They were never meant to rule your life. They were never meant for your life to be thrown into them. 
But on the other hand, they were for to be to you as tools or servants of your lives. Your career was never meant to rule over your life. Your hobbies were never meant to rule over your life. Whatever it is, those things that might be good for us to have, not necessarily sinful for us to have, be careful you don't throw yourself into them. And maybe even consider or question what is the motivation or what is the spirit that is driving me to throw myself into those things. But this is a, a description now of, of this boy this young man, we not sure of his age exactly, but we do know that the father puts a, a difference between his current state and how long the boy has been in this condition. Because the father says he's been in this condition since he was a child. He refers to him as his son. So we don't know. He's, he's likely, Brother Walker, he's likely somewhere in his preteen to teenage years. In Jewish culture, and still today with bar mitzvahs, they, they really celebrate the coming of age when a boy becomes 13 years old. In other cultures, it's 15 years old. Other cultures, 18 years old. But in this Jewish culture and in this context, he was probably a young man somewhere in his teenage years. But now he still remains in this condition that causes him to froth at the mouth, gnash his teeth, throw himself into things that would destroy him. And he was withering away, and the man brought him to the disciples of Jesus Christ, and it seemed like nothing was changing, nothing was happening. They prayed, they said words, they did all the right things things, all the things that they watched Jesus do as he led by example, all the things that they were told to do, all the things that they learned, but it seemed like nothing was happening. And Jesus, Peter, James, and John come down from this glorious mount of transfiguration. They come down the mountain to be met with a stubborn, deaf, dumb spirit that would not release the child, that would not release the boy, that would not allow this miracle of deliverance to happen. Are you still with me? Say amen. amen. Isn't it a little bit frustrating? Isn't it just a little bit frustrating? When we have an incredible encounter with God on a Sunday and things seem like they've turned a corner and and, 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 and things are beginning to go in the right direction. And you feel right. In fact, you walk out of the, the, the church service and you feel like, I, listen, I'm going to conquer this. This is, wow, what a service we had. The presence of God was so thick. The word of God was preached. It was great feeling uh, the fellowship of the people of God. And you walk out the doors and down the mountain of transfiguration, that place where you just wanted to build a tabernacle. You just wanted to pitch a tent and say, I want to stay here from now till Jesus comes. If we could just stay here, I think I could be saved. If we could just stay here, I think my family could be saved. If I could just stay here. Me and three other people feel that way. But maybe there's some honest people in the house that say, you know what, 
It feels great when we're here, but it feels so much different when I get back to my job on Monday, when I get back to school on Monday, when I get back, I don't even have to wait till Monday, just when I get back home. Some of you, just on the drive back home. There's that rebellious, stubborn, dumb, deaf spirit staring you snarkly in the face and daring you to try to cast him out. The frustration is real. The, 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 the winds of opposition, they, they do blow. And, and, and it's, it's tiresome. In fact, it almost, it seems like it even got to Jesus a little bit. Matthew, Mark, Luke, they all record this, this reaction from Jesus where he's approached with this persistent problem and Jesus responds by saying, oh, faithless, and in Matthew and in Luke, faithless and perverse generation, how long do I have to be with you? How long do I have to suffer you or allow you? I don't know about you, but when I read that, it sounds like Jesus is frustrated. It's hard to read that any different way than that. How long do I have to be here? How long do I have to allow this to go on? You're faithless. You're perverse. Now, my immediate reading of this text, I think Jesus is talking to his disciples. His disciples, they, they dropped the ball. They couldn't cast out the dumb spirit. Jesus is talking to his disciples. But I do have to pause because I have to consider this. Nowhere else in the Gospels or Scriptures does Jesus call his disciples perverse. Now, we do find clarity that when his disciples asked, why could we not cast them out, they, they were lacking faith. They didn't believe. They doubted, Sister and Iken. So perhaps faithless might be fitting for them, but who was he talking to? It, it does appear from the text that we just read that Jesus could have been talking directly to the Father. The Father who brought his boy to come and be delivered, and now Jesus is speaking to this man faithless and perverse. Faithless and perverse generation. How long do I have to suffer, put up with you? And, of course, if you read it that way, it's kind of, whoa, okay, Jesus. Like, this guy's just wanting a miracle for his boy. Do you have to speak so harshly to him? But I do feel like, really, while it could apply to the disciples and it could apply to the Father, because he did say to the Father, if you could believe, anything is possible. But we know that the disciples and the Father we're not the only ones present on this day. The Bible says there was a whole multitude that was gathered. In fact, there was a group within the multitude known as the scribes. Everyone say the scribes. The scribes, they were scribes. Which literally means is instead of having printing presses, machines that made copies of Scripture, it was left to the hands, literally, of the scribes. They would have to meticulously, carefully, 
copy word by word, letter by letter. They knew exactly how many letters were on each scroll, each page, each portion. And if there was anything that was not measuring up, they would scrap it all and start over again. They didn't, it wasn't chapters and verses. They wouldn't just throw away a certain verse or a chapter and start over on that chapter. It was the entire book. And they would carefully, meticulously copy letter by letter every word of God. Matthew, all the way to Malachi, the Old Testament scriptures. I think it would be accurate to say that nobody knew the letters, the words, the content of the book better than the scribes. Furthermore, if we're going to talk about Jesus characterizing a group of people not only as faithless but perverse, we do find his harshest criticisms come against the Pharisees and the scribes. It is likely in this passage of Scripture that Jesus was rebuking the scribes who exhibited a complete absence of faith, and they were perverse, out of joint, twisted, Nobody knew the word better than the scribes. But it appears that they still knowing the word of God. Sister Brown, what an incredible job today in Sunday school. If that was recorded, every person needs to listen to the recording of our adult Sunday school class. But we cannot make the same mistake in allowing the word of God to have no effect in our lives. We know that faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. We've got to have the word to inspire faith. But here's the scribes that had and knew the word, memorized the word, but had no faith. In fact, as I put myself into the story and I try to stand there in that place and look around at the scenery and see what's going on. Jesus coming down from the mountains. The disciples surrounded by the crowd. There at their feet was a, a boy that was that, that was in pain, that was, that was possessed. There, a, a desperate father that was asking and hoping for a miracle of deliverance for his son. And then there was the scribes, the scribes who were there always looking for an opportunity to point the finger, to cast judgment, to, to find somewhere that they slipped up, somewhere they didn't just get it right. The scribes, though they knew the word, stood there and with judgment cast it at the disciples' feet. Father, Father, listen, I, if I could commend one thing, there's, there's one thing that must be commended. And I, I thought I'd wait till the end, but right now is the time. I need to commend the Father. The Father in this story, number one, he believed. He may have had a part of his heart that cried out, Lord, help my unbelief. But nonetheless, he did believe. He may not have been overflowing with faith, but he did have some faith. And what faith he did have, he incorporated or put it to work and took his boy somewhere where he could be delivered from his pain. He brought him to the disciples of Jesus. 
But here it is. I've got to commend. I've got to, I've got to lift up and exalt the action of this faithful father, this persistent dad, this persistent dad who said, I've got to take my boy somewhere to be delivered. And I know someone or a group of someone that has the power to do so. And he took his boy to the disciples. And, and even though the disciples couldn't do it, and even though there was a ruckus being raised, and even though there were scribes there that day that were questioning what authority the disciples could be trying to do or exercise these things, the father said, I will not be denied. And as soon as his eyes, maybe in the peripheral vision, he caught a glimpse of Jesus coming down from the mountain. The Bible says that that father ran and he kneeled at the feet of Jesus and he besought Jesus for his only child. This was not just his only son. We see this in some cases where they only have one son and, and sons were special in, this, in the context of this culture, but this was his only child and his child was in pain. And Does anybody, any parent in this place know what it's like when your child is in pain? What, 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 what anxiousness and, and hurt and, and fear and, and, and emotion can, can kind of overcome you at times. You, you want to do anything that you can to help your child when they're in pain. I think what perhaps on the flip side of that coin, what bothers me is when I see parents that are apathetic, parents that are indifferent, parents that, that, that really don't care one way or the other. Their, their child may be absolutely wallowing in misery, and their child may not be excelling in school and flunking every class, and, and they, they may not even be making it to school. They might sleep in through their school day, and the, the parents just indifferent. They just don't care about the well-being of their child, whether or not they had a healthy meal today. They, they, they just don't really seem to care. And I, I want to say just as much as a spirit, or I could say it this way, an attitude might be upon the children of this generation. I'm afraid that the victims here are the children from parents who just don't seem to care enough that are my God, that are motivated by a spirit of this world, the God of this world that would love to captivate the minds of the children. And in order to do that, he's got to usurp the authority of the parents that God has put over the children. I'm here to preach to some parent right now in this room. You ought to care about whether or not your baby is fed well physically, emotionally, and spiritually. What they ingest, what they digest, what they consume, you ought to care about it. And if your baby is hurting, you ought to care about it. You ought to go somewhere and do something about it. Don't just sit there. Don't just act like everything's fine when everything's not fine. Go do something about it. All right. <laughs> we have an advocate. There is a mediator between God and man, the man Christ Jesus. We can do something about this, folks. We are not like those who wallow and walk in darkness and know not where they are going. You have light. And that light has been turned on in your life so that you can see where you're walking and do something about it. If there's something in front of you, you don't have to stub your toe on it. Look around you and see what is What's tripping you up, what's harming you 
personally, what's harming your marriage, what's harming your children, wake up. The Bible says you ought to watch and pray. And too many of us have learned to pray with our eyes closed. And yes, I know that there's a time for that literally so that we can eliminate distractions. But I believe that spiritually we are living in a place right now we can't pray with our spiritual eyes closed and put our head in the sand and act like nothing's going wrong and nothing's happening. Listen, there is a war at stake right now. There are real rewards and consequences and we can't bury our head in the sand and act like everything's just going to turn out if we turn a blind eye to it. Oh, I commend the dad. I said, I commend the parent that is persistent in getting their child to the cure, getting their child to Christ. We have an answer. We have a savior. We have a deliverer. We have a healer. I'm not preaching from a comic book this afternoon. I'm preaching from the word of God, and it is true. Somebody say yes. The word of God is true. It's forever settled. In the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. Oh, I know we walk in the flesh. I know that what we have to do Monday through Sunday, we, we're walking in the flesh. But we don't war after the flesh. The weapons of our warfare, they are mighty through God to the pulling down of strongholds. Oh, mighty God, mighty God, I pray that we will begin to understand the power that we have access to. We have the power of Jesus Christ. Christ, who has all power in heaven and in earth. He's never met an enemy or a weapon that he cannot overcome, that he cannot defeat. I challenge you today to take hold of those mighty weapons. Take hold of the word of God. Take hold of prayer. Take hold of the name of the Lord. Take hold of the spirit of God that raised Christ from the dead. Take hold of the blood of the lamb that washes away every sin. Take hold of those weapons and believe God for victory in your life. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah. Lord, I pray, awaken our spirits today. Awaken us, O oh Lord. Thank you, Jesus. What the Father didn't do is he didn't write it off. He didn't say, well, this is just kind of, this is the, the deck of cards I, I was dealt with. This is the hand that I was dealt. This is, uh, this is my new normal. I guess this is, this is what my lot in life is going to be. Can't seem to really do anything about it. He, he, he would not. He would not just settle. Oh, glory to God. He would not just sit back and just let his boy pine and wither away. And it might not be your boy. It might not be your child, but it might be the promise that God gave to you. It might be a, it might be a, a word of prophecy that the Lord spoke into your life. It, it might be a promise that you discovered in the word of God, and you don't have to just let it shrivel up and die when the life giver is on your side. The Bible says that Jesus responded by saying, oh, faithless, perverse generation. <laughs> it didn't stop the father. It didn't stop faith. It didn't stop a man who believed that Jesus was able. I wonder if sometimes 
he, he won't tempt us with evil, but he will test our faith. I wonder sometimes if, 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 if his delay is a process of purifying our faith. His rebuke, how do you handle the rebuke of the Lord? How do you handle correction? I'm not talking, I'm talking about godly correction. Correction from the word of God. Correction from the spirit of the Lord. Correction from the leadership that God played. How do you handle correction? Faithless and perverse generation. The father says, you ain't getting rid of me. I'm still here. So I got you, but can you help my unbelief? Because my boy's still hurting. My boy's still in pain. He says, if you could believe, anything is possible. So the two most powerful forces in the universe meet. The power of Jesus Christ and the power of your faith. And what happens? This is when the enemy, he gets as big and as bad and as loud as he could get. He throws the boy down, the spirit that had possessed this poor child. The spirit threw the boy down. He wallowed. He pined. He foamed. He gnashed his teeth. He gave it everything he could to try to throw this force of intimidation at Sister Holly. I just wonder if perhaps this was also exactly what happened right when the disciples tried to approach the situation. The disciples, have you ever seen kind of a man or woman of God when they just kind of like all of us, you know something's about to happen right now. <laughs> they just, they just took a stance of authority and they're about to lay hands or they're about to speak something. Have you ever seen a believer, doesn't even have to be behind a pulpit, have you ever saw it or heard it where they take that position? It's like that power of God just kind of takes hold of them and they begin to move into a position to take spiritual authority over a situation. And I wonder if that's how it was, Brother Andy. The disciples just kind of moved into that position. They heard the request of the Father. They moved into that position of authority and boom, that dumb spirit did the same thing it did to Jesus. Threw the boy down, gnashed, at his, gnashed his teeth together, foamed at the, frothed at the mouth, pined away, shriveled and withered and, and, and pined and, and slithered. And, and, and the disciples, well, they would probably do like some of us would do. Woo! <laughs> All right. <laughs> And is this why Jesus, when his disciples asked him privately, why could we not cast him out? And Jesus responded with what? This kind does not leave except by prayer and fasting. Those two spiritual disciplines that cause us to humble ourselves and submit ourselves to God will position us in a place that no force of hell or weapon of the enemy can intimidate us out of. Let me close with this scripture. If you, if you, if you want to, write it down or look it up. We're going to look at James. James chapter 4. And verse 7, 
James chapter 4 and verse 7, the Bible says, Submit yourselves, therefore, to God. We like the second half. We're in a hurry to get to the second half. Resist the devil and he will flee from you. He will run. The devil will run from you. But in order for the devil to be put on the run, first things first, you must submit to God. I'm not here to preach to you that you can't submit unless you you fast. But you know what? I do believe that regular fasting is healthy for a believer to bring their body under subjection to God. But you cannot submit to God if you do not pray. And Jesus said the catch is that you didn't pray and fast, but if you pray and fast, you will be put into a position where you are so close to your creator and your savior that it doesn't matter what the enemy tries to throw your way. You are not intimidated. You are not afraid. Fear is faith in the enemy. But I want faith in the Lord to conquer the day. And when I fast and when I pray, I position myself close to the Lord that it does not matter what the enemy will throw in my way. Now, here you are. Stand together with me. I'm finished. This is what I want to close with, and I'm calling this church to three days of fasting and prayer. And this Monday night, we're going to have all church prayer in this place. I'm excited. We have a missionary to the country of Iswatini, uh, formerly known as Swaziland. He and his family are going to be with us on Wednesday. I'm not sure they know what they're about to step into when the Refuge Church comes together on Wednesday night in conclusion of three days of fasting and prayer. But I believe that God is going to show up in this place on Wednesday night. But it's not just over these three days. I believe that God wants this church to be in a position that says we are done dealing with dumb and deaf spirits. I'll tell you what a dumb and deaf spirit is. It's exactly what it says it is. A dumb spirit, a spirit, an unclean spirit that will strip the voice of the one it occupies. The deaf spirit causes someone, the dumb and deaf spirit causes someone not to be able to hear. These are two ingredients that are paramount for faith, are they not? Hearing the voice of the Lord, speaking the word of faith, speaking the word of God. God wants to speak to people, but they can't hear, can they? God wants to speak through people, but if they have a dumb spirit controlling their life, they're not going to speak the things that they need to speak. So what we're going to accomplish, Sister Emily, over these next three days does not stay encapsulated in these three days. But I believe that going through into the month of September, that this church is going to see people filled with the Holy Ghost, see people baptized in the name of Jesus, see deliverance take place in people's lives. But we've got to make sure that we position ourselves through prayer and fasting where we are submitted to God. We will resist the devil and he will flee from us. Would you close your eyes all across this place? I want you to imagine right now the devil running. That's what it means for Satan will 
flee from you. You feel like your life has been plagued with persistent sin, pain. You feel an empathy with the Father and the Son and the story. You feel like there's been things that have held you captive, oppressed, depressed, possessed. And you want deliverance. You want liberty. You want freedom. Young people, we we heard about that liberty on Friday night, didn't we? Brother Chris Green shared that word. We saw five people filled with the Holy Ghost that night. People healed in their bodies. I believe that that same spirit is here right now. The spirit of God. That Jesus Christ is in this place. You are here. And you feel empathy with that Father. You just want deliverance. You want redemption. You want healing. Jesus says, bring the boy to me. What we're going to do in the close of this service is we're going to do exactly what Jesus did in that situation. Jesus is here right now. And if you feel like you're in that place where you need the delivering hand of God, whether it's from physical sickness, you need emotional healing, spiritual healing, inward healing, Would you go to Jesus? I know, I know you were met with his disciples and, and people tried their best. And then there were people who knew the word that, that cast doubt in your life. But here you are and you're persistent in your faith. I wonder if you step out from where you're standing or sitting and make your way to this front area. Not everyone needs to come right now. But those that are saying, Lord... I believe, help thou my unbelief. I know you're able if you are willing. Lord, please. Lord, I believe. Lord, I believe. The Father, the Bible says, he cried out. Lord, I believe. Help my unbelief. Help that part of me that is lacking. Listen very carefully. Those that have... You that are up here, those of you that are coming. The Father said, Lord, I believe, but if there's anything that perhaps is in me that's keeping me or would keep me from this miracle or seeing this miracle, realize, Lord, fix that part of me. Make up for what I lack. And you know what Jesus does? He does just that. He's not intimidated by the demon that sought to intimidate nor was he intimidated by the part of this man who cried out, help, help my unbelief. Refuge family, look at all of these needs that are here. Those that have come, those that are up here. Let me give these instructions. Right now, I would like you to step beyond desire and step out on faith. What I mean by that is 
Do not stand there, kneel there, sit there and beg for God to do a miracle in your life. I want you to have faith that God is able. I've met a lot of people that want something from God. But if you ask them if they believe that God is going to do that in their life, they struggle. What is it that you want? Let me rephrase that. What is it that you need? For God shall supply all of our needs according to his riches and glory in Christ Jesus. I want you to believe that if Jesus, if Jesus Christ is here like we say he is, he's able to meet your need. He's able to stretch his hand of mercy to you, to heal your body, to heal your mind, to heal your wounded spirit, to deliver you from fear, that spirit of fear that has not been given to us by God, but his perfect love that is able to cast out all fear. Father, in the name of Jesus, let's pray for just a moment. I believe that the Lord is in this place. There are needs represented all throughout this altar. I've encouraged you not just to come out of tradition of coming up front because that's what we do at the refuge, but no, I've encouraged you to come because you have a need that you are going to take to the Lord right now in prayer, and you're going to allow the Lord to meet that need. Right now, just where you're at, just talk to the Lord. I'm asking you just to get your mind on the Lord Jesus Christ. Lord, I love you. Lord, I believe that you're able. If you are willing, you are able to meet every need. Work through every situation. Touch every life. Touch every soul. Oh, my Lord and my God. Go ahead, talk to him for just a little while longer. Come on, let's talk to him for just a little while right now. In just a little while, I'm gonna, we're going to speak a word of faith, and I believe that the Lord is going to do a miraculous thing here today. But right now, just talk to him. Lord, I believe in you. I'm bringing my need to you right now in prayer. What is it? What is it that you need? Would you bring it to him in prayer? Lord, here it is. Here's my situation. Here's my mind. Here's my life. Here's my finances. Here's my health. Here's my church family. Here's my situation, Lord, right now. Here's my marriage. Oh, Lord. Come on, tell him what you need. Tell him what's going on. The father said, this is the state of my boy. He throws himself into the fire. He throws himself into the water. He foams. He gnashes his teeth. He pines away. He's a lunatic, Lord. Here's how desperate my situation is right now. Bring your need to the Lord right now in prayer. Lord, I believe. Lord, I believe. Help my unbelief, oh Lord. That's it. He's asking, will you believe? He's come. Will he find faith on the earth? Ask him, Lord, help my unbelief. Lord, I believe. I believe you're able to work in my situation. I believe you're able to heal my body. I believe you're able to save my soul. I believe you're able to forgive me of my sins. In the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord.
I love you, Jesus. Have your way right now. Lord Jesus, you're in this place. Lord, you are walking up and down these aisles. Lord, your presence is here. Your power is here. The power of the Lord is present here to heal. Lord, it's, it's here in such a way that I've not felt it at the Refuge Church for a long time. I believe that you're in this place and you're ready to work the supernatural. You're able to do the miraculous. I believe it. I believe that you want to do it. We are about to receive it by faith in the name of Jesus. I encourage you, if you're not already up here, would you just join around the perimeter with your church family? Just join around someone. If the Lord would lead you to pray with someone or pray for someone, just join them in prayer. Hallelujah, hallelujah. Father, in the name of Jesus. Hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. I want you to listen very carefully. We're going to speak right now upon the authority of the word of God and the power of the name of Jesus. And if truly you feel like there is a spiritual attack that is happening, I want you to speak as Christ did. The Lord, Jude said, the Lord rebuke thee. You are not commanding God to do anything. You are allowing the Lord to do what he already wants to do. He wants to demonstrate his authority over both demons and diseases. And so right now, upon the authority of the word, we're going to speak to that spirit that seducing spirit, that perverse spirit, that dumb spirit that is stripping the voice, that deaf spirit that is closing off the ears, that spirit that possesses, that spirit that oppresses and depresses and discourages and defeats and seeks to destroy. We're going to command that spirit to be broken, to leave, and to never return. Listen, if it is a sickness, if it is disease, we're going to do the same thing. We're going to speak against that that opposes the will of God and the healing power of Jesus Christ to be enacted in our bodies and in our minds. We're going to command it to go and to leave. But hear me, after that happens, after you do that, I want you just to begin to give God glory and praise and thanks in a similar way as you receive the Holy Ghost. Many of you have received the gift of the Holy Ghost. As you receive the gift of the Holy Ghost, you begin speaking in tongues probably while you were worshiping the Lord, while you were declaring, I love you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. And so do the same thing. You're going to ask. You're going to speak. You're going to take authority. You're going to begin to give God praise. And as his spirit begins to descend upon you, just worship. Lose yourself in worship and in praise. Listen, I want you to see the devil running. I want you to see it. Here's the problem, Brother Ugo. Too many times we'll speak words of faith, we'll say things, but then we don't see him running. We expect him to stay right there on our shoulder, perch on our shoulder, and just hound us tomorrow and when we get home and on Tuesday. But I want you to expect, I want you to command him to run. Why? Because we're submitting to God. We're going to resist the devil, and he will flee from us. Does anyone believe that here today? 
I've asked for there to be no music because right now it's just our voices. Father, in the name of Jesus, go ahead and lift up your hands. Release your faith right now. All things are possible to him that believes. Upon the authority of the word of God and the power that is in the name of Jesus Christ, I charge you in the fear of the Lord as you have submitted to God right now to resist the devil. Every devil, every disease that opposes the will and the purpose of God from being fulfilled in our lives. We command their influence. We command their authority and their power at this moment to be broken off of the lives of every believer in this place. We command it to leave And right now, in the name of Jesus, let there be healing. Let there be miracles. Let there be deliverance upon the authority of your word and the power of your name. Let it be now in the name of Jesus. That's it. In the name of the Lord, give God an eruption of praise and victory and thanksgiving. I love you with your voice. Let our voices erupt in thanksgiving and praise. Let the power of the Lord fall fresh in this place to heal, to deliver, to save.